Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the Craft Beer Talk Show. I'm your host, Matt Sausch. Uh, number 10, I guess that's a milestone. Um, not a large one, but it's something. Um, you know, I'm having a blast doing this and I'm glad to uh, be recording number 10. Uh, for those of you that don't know, this is a show obviously about craft beer. And from time to time, uh, we dive in to craft liquor. Um, for those of you that are just listening for the first time, thank you and welcome. Um, so recently, this is a delayed episode, um, so people won't be hearing this until uh, Wednesday, July 8th. Um, but recently, it was Canada Day, and that's the reason for why this this episode was delayed. Um, you know, obviously up here in Canada, that's our, our national, that's our Independence Day, so uh, it's kind of a big deal. Everyone's partying, lots of beers are cons- consumed, um, and I was, of course, doing that, so that's why the episode was delayed. I just couldn't get the time together um, to record and edit and, and post all the stuff that goes into the show and the Instagram, so I just delayed it, took a little break, enjoyed myself. Uh, Canada turned 153. Um, now the last time I recorded, I actually mentioned that I, I think I was going to do, I don't know if I mentioned specifically, I was going to do a candidate episode. Um, but I was going to do it with a, a guest that we've had on before my good buddy, Ryan Bond. Um, those plans fell through and we're going to blame it on the, the Canada day shenanigans. Uh, it just didn't work out and I didn't want to leave you guys hanging for too long without an episode, but I do apologize for those that were, uh, uh, looking forward to hearing Bond. Um, he will be back in the show soon. Um, we'll work something out because I know that uh, people people liked his enthusiasm uh, on the last one. That was uh, the the double dry hopped IPA, I believe, with uh, Collective Arts. So we'll get back on. Uh, he's a big craft beer guy, and he's had a, he's got a bunch of beers that he's been trying and and letting me know. You know, I got to talk about them. So we'll get him back on. Uh, maybe we'll do something a little bit more interesting. Now I did have plans. Uh, to do a Canada Day specific episode, and I was going to talk about um, the kind of the history of beer in Canada. Now, since I kind of rushed everything, um, I didn't necessarily have time. That would that would probably be a longer episode. I know most of my episodes are, you know, sometimes as low as twenty five minutes. You know, maybe upwards to forty, depending on um, what I have to say and how much I put together. But uh, that that would be probably a longer, maybe an hour long episode, just because there is a lot of um, bits and pieces but of course nonetheless there will be a, a history component I think I actually kind of have been slacking on the history component I've talked about you know kind of the the starts of the breweries I've been talking about but I've been almost slacking on the the history component of uh, the craft beer talk show and a lot of people seem to like that so I made sure to pick something out um, for this episode um, so before I talk about that I'll just dive in kind of what the brewery we're going to be talking about is today. Um, it's the Exchange Brewery, and this is a brewery down in Niagara-on-the-Lake. Um, that's all I'm going to give you for now. Uh, I'll give all the details about them and why you should go check them out later on in the episode. Uh, I also want to mention, um, just talking about Niagara-on-the-Lake breweries, since you know there's, there's seldom few, uh, a couple episodes ago, maybe episode seven, I did um, a brewery called Dragon Brewing and Wine, and I did their uh, Garnet uh, Citra Asuka Pale Ale. 
And the owner of the the brewery contacted me, Michael Nazareth, uh, and, and loved kind of the show and, and wanted to be on it. Sent me some of the the pilsners that uh, I didn't try, so that was that's their second beer. So obviously, being a lover of pilsners, I really appreciated that. But uh, I think it was the beginning of the week, or no, beginning sorry, beginning of last week, just before Canada Day, uh, or just after. I don't know. I'm I'm losing my mind. But uh, Michael and I sat down and got to chat a little bit about his brewery, you know, the ideas behind it, um, what's coming up, what's in store, uh, the beers. You know, I I mentioned that the brewery is actually named after his son, so that's kind of a big deal. Talked about that. We talked about the wine um, component of his whole business. And then we also talked about when his brewery is actually going to open up. You can buy the beer in stores. But you actually can't visit the brewery, uh, so that's that's big news, and that will all be revealed uh, in the interview. I'm gonna try and get that as an episode because we we chatted for about uh, you know uh, half an hour or so, and uh, I'll try to compile it all into one jam-packed episode, and you guys can listen to that. So that's pretty exciting. Um, that's that's kind of all the housekeeping uh, I have for today. So I'll dive in now to the main topic. So the main topic kind of stumbled upon me um, due to the beer we're trying today. It, it has um, quite a few different hops, um, you know, strands of hops in the in the beer. So I thought to myself, you know, hops is primarily, you know, the flavoring component uh, of a beer, you know, without hops in a beer it's very sweet you know wort is very sweet and I thought to myself what were they using to flavor beers back in the day um, before hops and I I jumped online as I usually do and I found this this website uh, and this article written on it so the website's called Brava Alpha, Bravo Alpha Initiative Wow, looking at that definitely looks tough. Um, now, I believe it's a, a website potentially to do with the Army. Mm, I don't know if that's true at all. Please do not quote me on that. I'm just kind of looking. I just, I've just i only read the article. I have it pulled up. Um, don't quote me on that. Maybe just disregard I even said it. Um, but anyways, this is written by a gentleman named Dustin Canistorp. And it's basically before hops, exploring the flavorings used in ancient beers. And so I, I got into reading this article, and some of the stuff inside it is pretty interesting because nowadays, you know, with the Bavarian Purity Act, it, it's simple, right? Like only um, water, barley, and hops. And then later on, yeast was added as the only four uh, main ingredients that should go into beer. Of course, you know, there's a lot of variations out there. Uh, beer has gotten very complex over the years, um, which is almost a reflection, almost like a, a nod at our ancestors, our brewing ancestors, for what for what they used to use. Uh, because it's not far off from a lot of the things you know we use now. There's a lot of breweries experimenting, but beer itself dates back to at least six thousand years. Um, you know. 
it's it's hard to really put. A, I've read books and stuff about you know who's the first to to ever brew beer, this and that. Now this necessarily isn't a, a history of hops and how it's it's developed. I'll I'll do that uh, on a different episode because that is a very interesting piece of beer history as well. Um, but I'm just going to talk about the alternatives, what they used before hops came around. Um, you know, it didn't make an appearance, I think, until uh, 77 AD um, when a guy by the name of Pliny the Elder wrote uh, Naturalis Historia. Um, of course, the, the hops were probably used, you know, much before then. This is just the first documented use of them. So thanks, Pliny, for, for making it... Uh, giving us a, a date, you could say. But, uh, of course, hops is, is regional, and uh, I'm sure there were different uh, colonies and, and towns and little villages that were um, had an abundance of it back in the day. So um, let's talk about uh, what they used. Now, first thing I'll talk about is something called Groot. And Groot was the primary seasoning mix for beer, um, during the Middle Ages. So what is Groot? Well, Groot um, is a low German for herbs. And in a typical batch of Groot, um, you'd, you would find things like rosemary, uh, sage, something called bog myrtle. Uh, I didn't look that up, so I have no idea what that is. But um, you'd also find uh, broom, Wormwood, nettles, bergamot, um, and all kinds of stuff like that. Even sometimes ground ivy, not poison ivy, at least I don't think so, uh, and ginger, and all those kinds of places. So it's almost like the natural land they used. They didn't have hops, um, so they needed something to put in it, and this is what they used. So how did Groot kind of fall off you know you had this prime flavoring mix this is um basically what uh you know what they were used to this is what what beer was for them and uh the catholic church controlled the availability um of Groot and they charged licensing and um, usage fees for the brewers that were making it so to get around those extra costs, a lot of brewers turn to uh, ingredients that weren't included in, in Grooks. Why, if you have to pay for something that's essentially natural, um, why would you have to to pay for it? Or why should you have to pay for it? Um, but down the line, um, a guy by the name of Martin Luther, um, you may you may know him, and uh he started something called the the Protestant Reformation, and uh, unlike most of his modern Protestant descendants, uh, Martin Luther he enjoyed a beer, maybe two. Um, but however, the Catholic Church controlled the Groot. He had trouble brewing, um, you know, a beer of his choice. So what he did is him and his followers um, they started using and promoting hops as an alternative. Um, they weren't taxed, obviously. They didn't have to pay for it, and it wasn't controlled by the government or anything. It was it was back to how the ancestors brewed, uh, found naturally, and put into uh, the beer. Um, so hops itself is um, sort of like a weed. It's a, it's a climbing vine. 
Um, I think that also goes by the, the term bind. I'm not too sure. I think I read that somewhere. But uh, most people thought they were crazy and kind of, what are you doing? Obviously, the taste spoke for itself. Now, Groot was kind of one of the biggest things before hops came around. But that's not the only thing that people used. Um, obviously, plain wort, like I mentioned before, is very sweet. Um, without hops adding that bitterness to it to, to kind of combat uh, it's very, very sweet. So, you know, if, you, if you're a home brewer and you're listening to this and um, you're either bottling or maybe you're transferring and, you know, if you spill some of that wort or you get some maybe a wort on your hands um, or even on your brewing spoon, you can feel kind of the stickiness of it um, from those sugars that are being pulled from the grains. Um, they're not kidding. It's sweet, very sweet. Um, so other ingredients would be added. Uh, juniper berries uh, and the twigs uh, were heavily used in uh, Scandinavian countries, so Sweden, Norway, Finland, places like that. Um, also, wormwood was pretty popular, and I think I mentioned that uh, before. Um, also, interestingly enough, horseradish. Now, in a weird way, this kind of makes sense to me because horseradish, to me, does have that kind of bittering, really bitter, almost a little bit spicy um, taste to it. So I think that that would actually make for a very interesting pint, something very sessional, of course. Now, um, Scottish breweries, they used uh, a number of other ingredients, obviously depending on the style, and now they have a lot of their own uh, particular styles. Uh, Heather was needed to make um, uh, froche, um, as was sweet gale it says um you know i'm not too familiar with this so so bear with me maybe google google along with me uh, meadow sweet and gooseberries uh were used in the making of grosette uh, which is an, a, a scottish style of beer and then also pine and spruce tips uh, were used in other scottish beers uh, and even seaweed um, showed up in the mix now seaweed I'm not a fan of seaweed, but I also, it's another uh, ingredient I can see just working um, from what I've tasted, because uh, I've had I've had uh, seaweed on its own, um, and I know it's very popular in Asian communities, and um, I live next to, uh, I had a Korean friend, Korean neighbor, and she, she ate these as a snack, you know, when we were kids, and obviously as a kid, I was so blind to, to diversity, right? Like you're used to, you know, your granola bars or the, the whatever North American snacks that were probably ultimately much worse for you than seaweed. Um, and I remember she had her package, a, a seaweed snack, and she asked me if I wanted to try it. And I said, okay, I will try it because she, she swore by it. You know, she loved it. And so she gives me uh, a piece, comes in sheets, and I just hated it. Now, of course, this is, as a kid, you know, I had already made up my mind probably before trying it. Um, I honestly don't think, I don't think I've had a sheet like that. I have had, uh, for example, like seaweed salad. My girlfriend loves seaweed salad. Um, and sushi, obviously, use seaweed. And, I, and I'm still not the hugest fan, but I don't think I put up my nose to it um, as I did when I was a kid who... Uh, 
you know, really just love the plainest of things. So <laughs> that's uh, that's something uh, maybe I could give a shot to uh, again. But um, bitterness, it wasn't always the, the main kind of component, right? We're talking about how sweet wort is. And, you know, you need that bitterness from the hops to combat and bring it down. But there were other additives that, that boosted the sweetness. Now, maybe you had something that did bring it down from, you know, the sugary, sugary wort. Um, but, of course, if you want something that's, uh, you know, sweet, you know, puckery maybe a little bit, um, you know, you want to boost that sweetness. So in London in the 1700s, um, they used uh, a lot of things like apricots, cherries, strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, um, you know, because they had a lot of fruit beers at the time. And they were also famous for another ingredients that uh, we wouldn't expect, I guess, to see in beer at all today. Now, this that's what this article says, but I actually have um, something to go against it. And the ingredients are peppercorns and tea. And I can't remember what brewery it is. And I wish I could because I feel like I'm doing them an in, in injustice considering they're one of the many few that I've seen. Um, but they actually made uh, an Earl Grey um, beer. And it was okay. Um, nothing crazy, but that's to, to combat that that statement there. They also use things like licorice and cloves. I actually think I would like a licorice beer. A lot of people don't like it whatsoever. But uh, whatever. To each is their own. Um, and then there was also a bunch of other exotic brewer ingredients that uh, were brewed with throughout Europe uh, and even into Asia, uh, which included uh, star anise, uh, cumin, vanilla, coriander, um, black peppers listed here again, parsley, sage, thyme, and elderflower. Now, I've also seen elderflower, so it's interesting that's an exotic ingredient um, because I feel like I see it quite frequently. Um, but ancient brewers, they, they would love to to um, experiment, I think, as much as we do today. And, you know, I think for a while there was so much plain beer. Um, now that craft has kind of broken into this, this massive thing, a lot of these craft brewers like to pay tribute to these ancient, these ancient brewmasters because they were as creative as, you know, some of the, the most creative brewers today. And uh, I definitely think that's another cool part about brewing. And I think that's another thing that you should consider when getting into home brewing, because home brewing is the perfect time to experiment. Um, you're obviously not getting paid. Uh, you're actually paying to make it. Um, but you don't have any customers who are going to complain. You're not going to lose a bunch of money because people don't like your beer. But uh, I mean, you might not like it, but hey, then then you'll uh, you'll know. But I think it's also kind of a cool thing if you were to even look up a recipe online of, of ancient beer styles and be able to try it out and and uh, compare and see kind of what beer was like back in, in those days. You know, this is hundreds of years ago. Um, so it's, it's kind of cool to take a walk back memory lane. Um, and uh, and that kind of pretty much wraps up what I wanted to, to talk about. Now, if you come across 
any beers that have these ingredients that I've listed, uh, especially the the licorice. I would I would love to know. I, I could actually see there being um, like a licorice stout or a porter, um, or a lot of these herbs and and spices. Uh, I would love to 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 try out, especially if they were used as a highlight. You know, a lot of breweries might kind of put it in there just as a hint, back of the palate type thing. But if you if you see any of these, or if you can even find um, a current day Groot, uh, I would love to try that. That would be definitely very interesting. Or maybe I'll, I'll try to find one on my own and and do an episode on it, and we kind of can revisit a more in depth. Uh, history of uh, Groot but uh, then again check out this website um, Bravo Alpha Initiative and uh, Dustin Canistorp Four Hops it's a great article it's a short read so nothing nothing too special but if you want to maybe get a clearer picture sometimes I don't talk too clear and I'm hard to understand but if you want to clear it read it for yourself um, go take a look uh, but now I think it's time for us to dive in to today's beer. So the Exchange Brewery, like I mentioned, uh, it's got a bunch of hops. So first, uh, I believe we'll probably talk about uh, the brewery itself. I'll give you the name of the beer in case you want to pause this right now and, and run and run back. It's called um, Throwback. Now, they don't really like name their beers. They name them in terms of the style. Now, this one is different because it's called Throwback, but I'll give you an example. Uh, the Exchange Brewery, they what they do is a numbering system, and they also do a, a symbol system. So why the numbers? So in connection to the brewery's building roots as Niagara's first telephone uh, exchange, so we can get into uh, the history. When I get into the history, that might make a little bit more sense. Uh, instead of naming the beers, they used numbers for their beers. Um, the numbers provide insights uh, to the beer's p- flavor profiles. The lower the numbers, the more approachable and sessionable. And then the higher the numbers, uh, the more flavorful and intense. Now, I also believe they did um, say something along the lines I, I don't know where I read it but it's not on here that I'm reading um, that they were actually numbered beers because that's how um, the the Belgian monks uh, when they brewed beer uh, did it so that's also kind of a paying homage to to our ancestors like I mentioned with uh, a lot of craft breweries so that's very very cool um, so they got a wide range of beers. Now, the beer I'm tasting, for some reason, isn't on their website. I actually had to go and visit Untapped. Um, that's, of course, the, the rating beer um, app or website. Uh, download it, Untapped, and you can add me as a friend. But I actually had to go there to get the stats for the beer. It does tell me the ABV and the, the hops used in or sorry, on the can. But the one thing that it didn't tell me was the um, like the the SRM and the IBUs, uh, and unfortunately, uh, the SR oh my god SRM isn't on Untapped either. So I just have the IBUs, but we'll get there uh, in a little bit. Let me just dive more into um, their beer. So, like I said, they also use symbols. So the symbols. Um, are the beers 
that represent their barrel-aged um, selections. So using French uh, and Hungarian oak, uh, the barrel-aged beers are a pack of flavor and potential for aging is what it says. So that's pretty cool. So you can pick up any number of these. I think they got about, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 to 12 of uh, these symboled beers that you could go in uh, and try out. So let's get into the actual history of the Exchange Brewery. So the Exchange Brewery uh, started with founder and CEO uh, Robin Riddisick. Um She's a passionate beer drinker and she was a former home brewer who basically fell in love with hoppy IPAs and, and sours. And her enthusiasm for these delicious and unique um, brews, brews uh, involved into this desire to create kind of these these niche style beers that would be popular um, all over the world, you know, in hopes of hopes of reaching that far. She grew up kind of in the business world uh, of management consulting, but she was delighted to bring together, um, you know, the two biggest passions, and that's kind of the the creation. Um, of the exchange brewery so then she goes and gets uh, Sam Maxbauer now I don't know if he's the original Bob head brewer but um, an American brewer from the great state of Michigan worked with a company called uh, North Peak Brewing Company also Leela now Brewing Company and Jolly Pumpkin Artisan Ale so he's got a lot um, of knowledge uh, and so he brews all the beer and and Robin kind of oversees uh, everything, but the the brewery itself is is fairly new, um, located basically right in the heart of the downtown Niagara on the Lake. If you ever been to downtown Niagara on the Lake, I've probably talked about it before when I talked about maybe um, Dragon Brewing and Wine. I love it down there. I just absolutely love it. Um, obviously, you know Niagara on the Lake known for being kind of Ontario's wine country, but it does also have a lot of up-and-coming craft brewing um, places, and uh, it's right down in the Heritage District, so there's a lot of history. So if you want to learn, especially the brewery, right, I'm sure, you know, with kind of paying homage to uh, these these Belgian abbeys in terms of their naming and, and almost the styles that they brew, you'll probably learn a lot by going there. I will have to go there. Um, I've never been to the brewery myself. Uh, my parents have. They have this beautiful tulip um, glass from there. And I, I should have honestly brought it and, and uh, used it to pour the, the beer for today because that would have been absolutely perfect. But uh, their whole kind of approach is traditional um, and modern techniques, uh, you know, the blending the two together. And that's kind of cool because everything I've been talking about today with the experimentation and, and going back in time and, and doing it how it was originally done, these guys, you know, fit the bill perfectly. So without further ado, why don't we dive into the beer? Uh, I've kept you waiting long enough. And uh, as usual, I will pour it and we'll get into it. Okay, so I've got the beer poured here, um, and it's a pretty pale, kind of golden, pale yellow color, um, very, very light in color. If I were to guess in terms of SRM, I would probably say like a hazy, a hazy three. That's a pretty good guess, I'd say. Um, now, 
apologies um, to you guys. I, I mentioned earlier that the IBUs were not on the can, and they actually are. So the Exchange Brewery throwback, um, there are symbols on here. I'm not too sure what they are. Um, so that, that this would fit under their uh, barrel-aged, I guess, um, cans. But uh, we have here, it says, The beer is light and refreshing, free flavors from our blend of hops in a mixed fermentation. So the beer is sitting at 4.5%. Um, this is a 355-milliliter can, IBUs at 27 so not overly hoppy for the amount of hops that are actually listed in here, um, which are Eldorado, Simcoe, uh, Melon Hops, uh, Strissel Spalt, uh, and then it's dry hopped with Citra and Melon. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six varieties uh, of hop strands in this beer. So I'm expecting a punch in the mouth uh, in terms of flavor. Also in the can, it says it's the uh, it won gold medal for the Canadian Brewing uh, Awards in 2019. So that's that's pretty great. Um, I'm very excited to to try this. So I am going to go ahead and uh, give it a sip. But actually, uh, just before I do that, I should probably smell it. So off the smell, the aroma, honestly. I'm not getting a whole lot. It smells uh, fresh and fruity, um, kind of how you know I would expect it from its description to smell like, but nothing where it's like I open the can and I can just smell it pouring out. Um, I've smelled more flavorful beers, but I, I kind of like that uh, in the sense that if it does have a lot of flavor, that it's not overbearing where you can approach it calmly. Uh, if that's if that's a mental thing for you guys sometimes it is for me you know you, you taste a lot with your with your nose and if something is foul you are more likely to give it uh, a negative score so I, I think it smells very pleasant so now I will go ahead and give it the smell the taste okay so I just tasted it um, and to be honest with you I'm sort of disappointed. Um, it it is for sure fruity. Um, it, it does have this nice bitterness to it, but there's just this almost tart uh, sourness to it that I don't necessarily care for. Um, it doesn't say anything on it about kind of the style uh, that they're they're trying to brew here. Now, when I looked it up on Untapped, people were calling it uh, a table beer. And for those of you that don't know what a table beer is, it's, you know, obviously not just a beer you put on table, a table beer. Um, it refers to, like, table wine, right? A beer that you put in uh, on the table for everyone to have. And these beers are usually lower in um, ABV. They date back to um, much more ancient times in, in Belgium and France. And, you know, kids from, you know, the minimum of six years old would be drinking this wine. Now, of course, back then it was maybe, you know, 2%. And now they range up to a little bit more like four, maybe even 5%. Um, some beers, but basically it's everyone helps themselves, uh, just like table wine. 
you put it on the table. It's it's supposed to be simple, um, nothing too uh, over the top. Now, I don't see this really being a, a table beer, uh, in my opinion. Now, Exchange Brewery themselves haven't necessarily uh, called it a table beer. Other people are calling it a table beer. So, And there's no information on the website about it. But I'm going to give it another sip. And let's see. Whew. You know, the more I drink it, the more I do like it. But there is just this, just something about it. I can really taste the melon. Um, I get a lot of melon flavor out of this beer. But there's something I, I just don't, I don't get. Now, I did look on the, the brew date here. And uh, I'm seeing uh, May 22nd. So, what, May, June... It's about two months old. Um, it's not that old. You know, I would like something fresher, obviously. Um, and I honestly don't want to judge the Exchange Brewery based on this beer. Um, just because I, I just feel as if there is a, a lot more to them uh, than this particular beer. It's good. Um, but there's there's a chance they don't even brew this anymore. They did one batch uh, of it, and considering they don't have it on their website, and I'm buying this at the store currently, you know, kind of you know raises question marks uh, to me because you would think that if it was something they're putting out on shelves, you know, you could look up some information about it. So unless this is just you know an older beer, uh, even if I'm reading this wrong, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, it's it's strange to me, especially you know this one gold a gold medal. Hmm, I don't know. Unless I just, I just have a bad batch. Let me take one more sip before I give the final uh, judgment here. A lot of melon. A lot, a lot of melon. Um, you know, I think my taste buds have adapted to it now where I'm being able to embrace more of the beer before it kind of, it did really punch me in the face, but not in the way that I, I would have liked to be. Um, so I guess I'll give a score, but I don't, I don't want it to reflect the exchange brewer because my parents loved it. Um, and I, I would like to try another beer, um, from the exchange brewery and uh so i guess the score for this it, it's not like i'm saying this is bad at all it's just not what i expected so i guess i'm a little disappointed um i'm gonna have to go with a, so i'm giving a, i'm having a tough time scoring this one i'll be honest with you you know there's things i like about it in terms of, you know, the aroma is mellow and pleasant. Um, I do like the melon. It's pretty refreshing. Um, there's a lot more melon in this than the Steam Whistle Pint that had melon heel uh, hops in it. So I do like how it has that melon. It's definitely refreshing. There's just something about it. And I just don't know if it's, you know, due to the, the date or, or what's going on. Um, but... 
I guess I'll have to go with a 6.9, just below that 7 mark, because the 7, 7 and 7.1, 7.2, 7.3, that's like average, you know, your average beer, it's pretty good, nothing special, but it's good, but there's something about this that just doesn't, doesn't get me excited uh, when tasting it, and that's honestly pretty disappointing, Um but I guess it is what it is, you know. Hopefully, I, I may be even able to chat with Exchange Brewery, um, and maybe there's a reason for why they kind of took it off their website. Um, I, I'm not really too sure, but um, hmm, damn, you know, I'm uh, I'm upset with this one. I was pretty excited, you know. I hate to leave things on a uh, a bitter note. But uh, I guess we're, I guess we're gonna have to to leave it on uh, a little bitter note here. But uh, this episode, like I said, will be up July seventh, and if you're wondering, there will be another episode on Friday, so things will continue as normal. Um, and Friday, we actually have something interesting planned. Uh, we're gonna try a beer that um, differs from the styles that we normally try. Uh, so maybe if people were Looking forward to me kind of expanding my horizons. Episode 11 is going to be the time I do it. So you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, other than that, uh, check out the Exchange Brewery. Um, you know, I'm not knocking them by any sense in, in saying what I've said here or, or not liking the beer. I've heard great things. Uh, yes, I am a little disappointed, but check them out. Follow them on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at the Craft Beer Talk Show. Add me as a friend on Untapped. And until next time, cheers.